People Hurt People. Time is 2.08 and you're listening to The One Two Three Show. Now, time now for a new feature on The One Two Three Show. Feel Good Friday with naturopath Philip Watkins. Every two weeks on a Friday, Philip's going to be joining me to focus on a specific area of health and well-being. This week, as it's May Measure Month, Philip looks at the importance of blood checks, something that perhaps due to the pandemic, many people have ignored or delayed. Let me just welcome Philip into the studio. Good afternoon to you. Sorry, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here for the new segment. Um, I'm very, very grateful to be back with you. Well, it's it's lovely to have you in because I know Philip was on uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about IBS. And when we were chatting, we thought it'd be really nice to actually look at some of particular health issues that people have and just raise awareness of them, really. Um, and now, you know, this week, this month is May Measure Month. We'll we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I've always been. I, I just want to kind of talk to you about what you what your title is. You're a naturopath. That's correct. Yeah. Right? So it's a little bit ambiguous. The term naturopath. It's um, the the way I tend to describe it to people is that it's an umbrella term for three pillars of natural medicine. So the first one is herbal medicine, Mm -hmm. which is relatively self-explanatory. The second one I like to call uh, nutrition as therapy, and I'll go into that in a second. And then the third one is uh, also my interpretation of it is what I call diet as a prescription. So the idea is, is that the three pillars will all kind of work towards helping you to achieve some form of therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, herbal medicine, once again, self-explanatory, but I think the the extent of the potential of herbal medicine now is a little underreported in the sense that curcumin, which is a popular you know, herbal yes. medicine or a popular yes. extract from turmeric, has now got research around being as effective as non-steroidal anti-inflammatories oh, for knee pain. And I take and it every day. There you go. You see, so... Yeah. It, I think it's very commonly, you know, used, but the extent of the the therapy that you can achieve with with proper dosage and proper duration and, and a more, I guess, standardised model is really quite amazing. So that's one part of it. The nutritionist therapy is, I guess the way I tend to describe it to people, is more around using vitamins and minerals as a form of currency mm-hmm. and that allows the body to pay transactions. So once again, that's a good way of realising why diet's important because sometimes maybe you don't have enough money to spend on certain transactions like your immune system or your body creating brain chemicals or so nutritionist therapy is kind of more around assessing how much money the body has to spend from the diet and maybe supplementing those things in you know in kind and this is where the supplementation kind of comes from in this in the it's, it, pure definition of it yeah it's quite amazing just how much things like diet has an effect. I I'm I can't believe it because you know, you know, just this whole thing with say taking turmeric or whatever. But just generally, the, how you affect your diet by things that you eat, and how important it is for us to be aware of how the diet can can change things. I mean, a, a couple of months ago, I remember my husband was saying, "Oh, you know, some sometimes people have this problem with kind of prostate and things like that." And and then you know we figured out that okay, things like dairy is not good, so we cut that out of the diet completely and within a few weeks you know it felt much better and it was and it was amazing that was that was quite you know that diet just did it you didn't need any medication as such it is fascinating and i think to your point from my perspective so in a more clinical perspective i would suggest that diet is 
the right limiting factor for the majority of people's mm-hmm. you know health and this is where the i guess the the million dollar question is how do you help to help to understand what diet is good for you and and that was mm-hmm. a you know i i guess your your anecdote there is 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 interesting and often very common in the sense that you many different individuals will be coming at their therapy from a different place. Yes, so yes. their dietary and choices... And it may not affect may, everyone in the same way. Precisely. So yeah. in a... And this is often where the difficulties can come from when, when talking about diet in the sense that there's no real way to standardise the ideal human diet. The, the Lancet did the EAT study, I think, two or three years ago where they... Um, accumulated, you know, forty or fifty of the top nutrition experts in the world to try and get an agreement on mm-hmm. at least a baseline of what the ideal human diet would be mm-hmm. in relation to the prevention of chronic illness. But there's still then the context of yeah. should someone who lives in the Amazon rainforest yeah, have the same yeah, the context right of exactly on. where you are and who so you are. So it is this is where diet as a sure. prescription comes in as well because sure. you know a prescriptive diet can allow you to use the context and to use a diet to suit that context that may actually not be the diet you're supposed to be using all the time mm-hmm. or you know anything like that it may help you to improve your blood pressure as in you know certain things we're going to talk about today so for example 60 percent of people who you know have sensitivity to salt will also have blood pressure problems so mm-hmm. removing that salt from the diet can then be a more specific dietary measure mm-hmm. but Unfortunately, there's so much yeah, there, I can know, imagine. fuzzy <laughs> fuzziness so, in that conversation. I mean, you've just mentioned it already in terms of this whole thing about, say, blood pressure. Now, May Measure Month, um, what is that all about? What are we supposed to be looking at then? Uh, May Measure Month, originally the reason why I wanted to bring it up was actually a broader uh, element of recovering from COVID and in the sense that I feel as if, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I feel as if a lot of people are somewhat coming out of hibernation. Yes. And yes. at least that's you know, a way I would describe it. And May Measure Month originally is uh, a yearly or annual uh, initiative by the International Society for Hypertension to try and globally increase blood pressure measurements because one of the interesting things that I found out through putting this together was that elevated blood pressure or what they call essential hypertension which is having blood pressure for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. so to speak is actually still the leading global disease cause Mm -hmm. and so being able to measure they're looking to measure 25 million people's blood pressure in one month over the course of the globe as part of this initiative but also i felt as if it was a really good entry point to asking our listeners as to when the last time you just got a blood check was yeah. and the and seeing whether or not there were a lot of people who avoided the medical system over the course of covid and rightly so for you know their own concerns but now i i have some people where i've asked them you know when was your last blood test and there'll be a short pause and it's like well oh wow it was the beginning of 2020 or end of 2019 and yeah. now that two or three year period can be quite a large portion of time for something to develop or anything to, to is kind that of something change. that you should, I mean, a blood test, should you have that, like what would you say, like every year you should get tested? Personally, I would say an annual checkup is uh-huh. really the way, the, a nice baseline to, or a nice habit to, to And form. I suppose 
we should be more aware of that too if we have any kind of history in our family and things because you know if you've got heart problems in the family it's genetic and, and there may be genetic factors and that's all the more reason to do it on a more regular basis precisely I, I think this is where the personal responsibility that i think a lot of people are looking for this is where it all begins because the other part of of that conversation is not only to honour your family history, but also a lot of disease is primarily what we call asymptomatic. So you won't know that something's mm. developing until it develops. And there's some really interesting research on Alzheimer's as an example, where they believe Alzheimer's disease starts at 35 and you may not actually present symptoms until you're 60. So the point there is that the blood can tell us a story that something is developing without you maybe knowing about it. And you know, conditions that are like um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease are a really great example of mm -hmm. that where currently they reckon a third of the world's population have some form of oh. fatty liver. And that's then a precursor to diabetes or cardiovascular disease. So you can literally kind of get a blood test yeah. to yeah to plug that up but when you get a blood test um you know you they usually ask you i mean like if you go to the gp and you say like you know i need to have a blood test about this there are so many different things that they can be looking for um so and they usually say okay well we could test your blood um in case you've got diabetes or, or something else but how do you actually get a kind of checklist of the things that you should be tested for and is that something that a GP would do, you know, is that easy to do? I would like to say that your general practitioners should be very well equipped to handle that request. The idea is, is that blood tests, as they've been created, have been driven towards covering the, the risk factors towards particular illness. For example, uh, you know, low-density lipoprotein, so LDL cholesterol, that's mm -hmm. classically named as, I guess, the undesirable cholesterol, mm -hmm. if you like, has got you know quite uh, large contrib you know, contributions to stroke and cardiovascular disease. So some of these markers will already be included in this. Okay, package. so they'll be detected Indeed. if you got the the normal, just a normal blood test. Indeed, and okay. interestingly, the your your BP or your your blood pressure can actually even just on that. If you've got a friend who has a blood pressure machine at home or something like that, even an elevated blood pressure can actually give you an idea that maybe it's time to get a blood test mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So that can also be an interesting one. So to keep an eye on your, if you have a blood pressure machine in the home, then to what, do it a couple of times in a week just to check it or? It really depends on your age group. It depends on some of the other habits as mm -hmm. well. But mm -hmm. I think the, the real message here is to try and I guess the way I would offer it to people is that if you like to take some personal responsibility around your health, this is the number one thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And there are also some really low-hanging fruit when it comes to blood tests, for example, things like vitamin D status, which is a huge issue in Hong Kong, in my opinion, and I guess what oh, really? I see, mm -hmm. vitamin D is a huge con uh, contributor to the immune system. There's some really interesting... So vitamin D would be, that's for the sun and, and to be out in the sun, but isn't, isn't it so that in Hong Kong... Because because we have so much sun everywhere. Are people not kind of, do they not have enough of that then? Great question. It, it, it's funny because the, the lifestyle in Hong Kong is somewhat almost anti-sun in the sense that you get two or three months of the year where it's actually nice enough to be outside long enough to get 
enough mm-hmm. vitamin D consumption. Mm-hmm. But then I think when summer comes in, people are generally in between air conditioners. Yeah. And the and umbrellas. Indeed. And the, <laughs> the duration of time that you need to be in the sun for may not be sufficient enough to correct those to correct those vitamin D but levels. There are risks involved in that too, being in the sun for too long. There I mean, can be balance, talking to an it? Australian, yet we're very <laughs> sensitive about about skin and and the risk of skin cancer. But once again, you know, getting a blood test can help you to um, really get a sense of that. And for women, a lot of people don't know that the falls uh, and osteoporosis actually one of the leading causes of death. Mm. So the there's mortality risks and associated things like with that, that as well. Can be detected, like so. For instance, if women are having these blood tests, things like osteoporosis and stuff, will that be picked up? I would probably speak to your GP about yeah. that specifically okay. because there are some better tests to okay. do okay. Uh, in relation to osteoporosis. But once again. Osteoporosis is a good example of how conditions can creep up on people. Mm -hmm. And for men, often it's cholesterol or cardiovascular issues and things like that. But for women, it is very much osteoporosis. And that begins with something called osteopenia, which is a a pre-existing kind of... Is that after the menopause? That comes after a certain age, doesn't it? That's that's right. So here it's it's, uh, basically as your estrogen declines and that affects your ability or your body's ability to interact with calcium in a particular way and then your osteoporosis risk goes up but the the key message here once again is that all of these things that we're talking about if you catch them early Mm -hmm. then your ability to take responsibility for them yourselves as opposed to having to medicate them or something along those lines is very very clear and, and it does really just take the potential of five to ten years of issues yeah, away. Yeah, you know, we were just having a conversation um, before we went on air, and I was just telling you that, you know, uh, I think it was in December that I was kind of diagnosed with kind of pre-diabetes. And, um, and it's just about, you know, suddenly finding out about that, and then it kind of kicks, your, it kicks you in the butt, and you think, oh, I've got to do something about this. But I hadn't realised that, you know, when you are diagnosed with something like that, it is something that can be reversible, if you work on it and so it's like you know I started to sort of um, every time I ate I sort of went out for a brisk walk and things like that and um, it's okay it seems to have um, calmed down and things better it takes I loved, time. I actually really loved hearing your story mainly because it I think this is really good for the listeners as well. You don't have to go and be an Instagram fitness influencer no. to use exercise as a way to really pretty much hit all cause mortality <laughs> you know it, it even just walking for you know three to five times a week i think more so towards that five times but yeah. doing it with some level of intention can have huge amounts of positive you know positive effects yeah. on your health and i think you found those things to be hugely beneficial for you yeah and also i i think the the main warning is that i suppose when people go out to actually lose weight it is something that takes time. I mean, we all expect we all expect things to happen quickly. We all think, oh, it's going to go, and then in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to look better. But, you know, it's almost like, is that kind of quite normal, like between like six to seven weeks before it actually shows you anything? <laughs> I think so. The, this is where natural medicine differs in some way from pharmacy as well, and the, the way I tend to describe it to people is if pharmacy is somewhat of an imposition in that you know, a pharmaceutical intervention will come and impose its will on the body, and mm. um, once that imposition you know, slowly 
dilutes it. it the you know the the effect that it has dilutes as well. But natural medicine and these things like dietary interventions and things like that, they work more as a persuasion on the body mm. and they gently persuade the body to go to a different place that mm. once there is a little more a little more long lasting. And then lasting. I think you get quite stable then because I've noticed now that like you know I've lost some weight, but it isn't coming back. It's because you, you see the results and then psychologically you feel, I, I have to keep this up. Exactly. And, and it doesn't kind of come back so rapidly that if you've done it in a sensible way, it's better than going on some fatty diet and, and losing a lot of water and things like that. Indeed. The, it really it, it comes down to behaviour a lot of the time as well, that you need the period of time to somewhat solidify that behavioural part of it too and find your why. If you like, mm. uh, you know, I, I think that's often a, a, a regularly thrown around term, mm. maybe overused. But mm. I think in this case, you, your point around receiving some positive feedback from your behaviour is what's going to set you up for longer mm. term. Mm. And, and once again, it, it's oftentimes people find it difficult to you know throw their mind's eye into ten years, twenty years. But it, I think managing the short and long term of it so feeling more energy sleeping better and you know yeah. but then knowing deep down that you're also you know maybe adding a year of you know, years of health span That's which right. is an interesting one because there's a difference between lifespan and health span in that health span is your ability to live those years out as opposed to the lifespan which is you know what number of years that you're living mm. and i mm. always I always say that these small habits that you build are, are adding years to that health span. Mm. So it it does take a little bit of time, but I think being gentle on your on yourself and not trying to yeah, move yeah. the world. I, it's it, expectations, isn't it? It's managing your own expectations. Um, going back to the whole May measure month, can I just ask you, like, is it something too that like for what kind of age should we be looking at this? Do young children do we need to keep an eye out for them, or you know is that something like a blood test that they need to have every so often as well? I, once again, that, that's a great question. I, I would say that if you're approaching your late thirties. Mm -hmm. um, with children mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or without children, it's time to at least start to develop a relationship with a healthcare practitioner. Mm -hmm. That can be anybody. That can be a natural medicine practitioner like myself, who I have a network of GPs as well, mm -hmm. or a GP directly who can handle things for you when you need that to be the case. Mm -hmm. And generally for men, there's also, I think, a gender orientation to that as well. I think the majority of men should probably start to get some blood tests around their late 30s, depending on you know their behavior and, and how their diet is, and maybe women you know, around the, you know, a, a little later into their early 40s as well. Because mm -hmm. once again, the some things can creep up on you and developing you know yeah. habits before they creep up is yeah i was going to say like you know when they creep up any particular symptoms we have a, a couple of minutes yet anyway sure. but um any particular symptoms that we should look out for when we are you know which are telling us that something is not quite right that's a really good question as well the i think for me the the quality i i often ask people about the quality of their day mm -hmm. and that once again, that's obviously very subjective, but I think in a lot of ways, if you feel as if the quality of your day is slowly declining and you're thinking about your mental and physical capacity more and more when you're considering whether to do something or not, mm -hmm. for example, some people will decide not to read a book that might be really good for them because they're having trouble focusing 
or they may choose to not go out for a walk because they're just feeling exhausted. Mm -hmm. And Fatigue seems to be a, a major part of it. Fatigue is a, a major part of it as well, and that can also kind of sneak into the mental health side of things as well, and obviously that's a, a, different, a different conversation. But as far as that's also concerned, this is where things like weight loss or the COVID, you know, mm -hmm. that COVID weight gain, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, can also creep up on it. If you find that it's difficult for you to manage these things, also then it might be time to to go and, and get a look because once again you you may not actually know that there's a problem and this is where that asymptomatic element is is that you may not have fatigue you may just be getting on with your merry day mm. but then there's a story developing underneath there and it's best like with all of these things it's best to catch it early and um you know just just make sure that you go for a regular blood test or blood pressure test. I see it often. And mm -hmm. I think this is one of the reasons why I wanted to choose May Measure Month for our first segment today mm -hmm. was just to, there's a lot of uh, a, a desire for innovation and all these sophisticated things you can do for your health. But mm -hmm. really, the, if you are interested in being healthy, the first place to start and the that personal sovereignty is to go and uh, you know, look over your blood and see whether your blood is telling you a story that you may not necessarily know. Mm. And then, and even if, I mean, once you've had that blood test and stuff, if everything is fine, then you can rest easy and you can just carry on. And and I think that that probably psychologically has a good effect on you anyway, when you know that, okay, listen, everything is okay. And I think specifically for people who've got any genetic you know, history of, of that in the family, they need to just be a little bit more, have it on the radar. That's a fantastic point. I, I think these are the kind of death by a thousand cuts psychologically mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it's just another thing that you have to think about. And once again, it can just be a morning appointment where you go into your practitioner fasted and they can draw the blood the majority of the time on the premises. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a tip there would be if you're fasted for nine hours, you're ready for that, ready yeah. for that blood test straight away. Yeah. You can get the results within 48 hours and tick that off your list. And, hey, once again, you can feel free. You know? Philip, that's a great place to end. Thank you so much for Hopefully, coming in today for, for Feel Good Friday. I think people might feel good after this particular session. So thank you very much. My and pleasure. I look forward to seeing you again in the next couple of